God's given us some very good services the last couple of weeks, and we thank the Lord for that and how He's worked in hearts. And I hope that that's always the case. When we come to church, I don't want us to come just because it's it's Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and it's time to go. I, I want us to come expecting God to do something. Oftentimes, as I walk across from the house to the church, I'm praying, saying, Lord, these people came this morning. There's a lot of them. And I know, I know, Greg Boer, they didn't come to hear me. I know that. They need to hear from you. And I, I'll tell the Lord that. And I'll be like, Lord, they need something today that will help them in their hearts and in their lives. I need something. And uh, I hope that we don't ever come to church just to punch the, the Christian duty slot that, oh, I got that one done. That ought never be our motivation for going to church. But that God will do something in our hearts. And I believe He will. Uh, if we just let him. Isaiah chapter number 57, if you will. It's interesting over the course of the history of the Israelites how often they turned from God. Uh, the people that had seen probably more miracles of God firsthand than any other people group in the world at the time. They had seen great leaders come on and off of the scene. They had had great revivals and had spiritual awakenings that brought unusual prosperity, and God put blessings up on the land and upon the people because of it. And yet so often they would get to a place of um, that was the norm, that was just what was to be expected. And after a second or a third generation of God's blessing, usually you began to see a decline, and people began to go through the motions. And the Bible refers to the fact that there will come a time where people will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And the Israelites were notorious for this oftentimes where they were still going through the, the, the sacrifices and they were still doing the, the feasts and the rituals, but they were doing them um, many times just because it was what they were supposed to do, it was what they grew up doing, and it became a habit and a routine for them. And they lost the heart of it. And as they lose the heart of it, you find over and over again that God uh, allows another country, another group of people, another um, nation to come in and oftentimes the Israelites would pollute themselves by joining themselves with those people and begin to take their gods in and begin to worship other gods. And over and over and over again we see the Israelites do this. And I remember thinking as a young person reading through the Old Testament and time and time again you see this cycle of uh, rebellion to God and, and, and having an apathy towards God and then the idolatry that, that seeps in and the ungodliness and then God's judgment being brought on them uh, for a period of time. And then you see great revival. You see repentance and, and a brokenness of the nation as they come back to God. And God brings revival and God brings deliverance. And then they have prosperity for a few years. And then you see the whole cycle over again, don't you? And we see it over and over and over again. I remember thinking as a teenager, boy, you'd think they'd have learned their lesson over those years, wouldn't you? You'd think by reading what happened to ten generations ago, what happened to them, they would have learned their lesson. And all of a sudden, one day as I got in, I think I was probably my mid or late 20s, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, Greg, you do the same thing in your life. The truth is we do, don't we? When prosperity comes and God brings His hand of blessing upon us, there's the tendency for you and I to not push and press toward the mark like Paul talked about. 
We, we tend to, to, because the blessings are there and, and serving God and laboring for God and living for God is so easy on us, we don't have to put forth the effort. We don't have to press and we don't have to push. And it's not long before we become, we become very apathetic. We become very, uh, very calloused to the things of the Christian life. And so we, several for several weeks now, have been preaching and praying and uh, asking for God to bring revival to our hearts. Not, not for us to have a revival. We talk of that as if it's some sort of a thing instead of some person that we're to put our hearts into and to, to walk with and to have Him daily stir us afresh and anew. Get to the mindset where we live in a spirit of revival and where we live with the Holy Spirit's leading and direction on our lives every day. We get to Isaiah chapter number 57. And God speaking here to the nation of Israel. In verse number 13, He says, When thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that hath putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And shall say, Cast ye up, cast ye up. Prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and lofty one, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Father, we pray once again that You would bless for the next few moments. Lord, may we do the work that You have this morning, and I pray that Your Word would go forth in the right way, that it would be rightly divided and understood. May Your Holy Spirit guide and direct, and Lord, the burden of our hearts in these days as we watch the world that we live in, as we see the lifestyles that are going on around us, and Lord, even how calloused we've become oftentimes as Christians. We've become so accustomed to not having Your power and Your zeal your stirring of Your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we just think that's the norm. The truth is, Lord, we need to be revived. We need our hearts stirred. We need to understand that the norm that You expect, that which is just reasonable, is the point where we get to where You have absolute and full authority in our lives. Where each and every moment we wake up, and we each day we wake up thinking of You and all that You've done for us and all that You will do for us throughout that day. Lord, we are in need of being revived. We're in need of being stirred again. Lest we become apathetic. Lest we fall by the wayside in the hard and stony ground. Lest Your Word begin to be of no effect, not being mixed with the faith that we have. So, Father, I pray that You would help us in the next few moments to lay aside the distractions that we may have. Lord, I know a number of folks that came in with burdens today. And, Lord, they're weighted down in their thoughts. And a heaviness of heart oftentimes would be a distracting moment. But Father, the subject is so vitally important today. I pray that for the next few moments, You would help Your Holy Spirit to have free reign and free course in our hearts. Lord, may we draw our hearts close and near to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God was telling the nation of Israel that they had cried out, and as they had done so often before, they cried to the Lord. and He said in verse number 13, when thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee, but the wind shall carry them all away, vanity shall take them. And he was saying to the folks, he said, it's not enough to just cry out. 
It's not enough to just say the prayer. It's not enough to just come to me. But he said, notice in verse 13, he says in the middle of it, But he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. We live in a world today where, to be real frank with you, even in our Christian circles, we've become so accustomed to not seeing the power of God. We've become so accustomed to not having revival in our churches and in our hearts that it has become the norm of the Christian life to go through our day expecting that it's just going to be the same thing today that it was yesterday. And oh, I'll go to church on Sunday morning and I'll go to church on Sunday afternoon and I'll go on a Wednesday night and I'll read my Bibles, but if we're not careful, we'll get to the place where we'll cry out and it'll all be vanity. Because we do not trust God to do something great. We're not putting our faith in Him. And when we pray, and we, we for several months now, or several weeks now, on Wednesday nights, have had a season of praying for God to bring revival, for God to uh, stir our hearts. And can I tell you this, that our prayers are vanity if we have no faith in them and believing that God not only can, but that He wants to and that He will if we'll simply prepare our hearts for His moving. We begin to get to the place where we feel like what uh, has always been in our Christian lives, the, the, <coughs> the status quo is just the norm. It's what it is to be expected in the Christian life. Can I tell you this? The Bible tells us that Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have life, the Bible says, more abundantly. The Bible tells us that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we're to daily walk in the Spirit. And when I read things like that, and I read things of the Apostle Paul that says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He speaks of a man who runs a race, but he doesn't get the award unless he strives, the Bible says, lawfully. And I think, boy, there's so often times that the Lord tells us that we're to run the race, we're to press toward the mark, we're to give diligence, we're to be aware. And we've grown to a place because of such blessing of God and religious liberty in our lifetime that we, if we're not careful, get to the place where we think this is the pinnacle of Christianity. Can I tell you this? We have not even scratched the surface of what God can do through yielded people that will give their hearts and their lives fully to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We've not even seen the exceptional work of God, the, the, the part that we spoke of last Sunday morning when the Bible tells us that unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We've just learned to take what is, and make it the norm. And God tells the nation of Israel, when you cry, He said, it's vanity, the wind's going to take it. You might as well have your companies deliver you. He said, but the man that will put his trust in me, the man that doesn't just cry out outwardly, but inwardly in his heart, puts his confidence in God and says, Lord, if there's going to be a stirring, if there's going to be a revival, if there's going to be something inside of me that causes me to grow weekly and daily, it's only going to be because of the work that you do inside of me. And he tells them in verse number 13, that he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain and shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way. And I like this in verse 14. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. There were some things that were hindering the 
Israelites from being able to put their trust in the Lord. It was referred to here as the stumbling block. Notice he gets to verse 15. He says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Who are we speaking of there? There's no question about that. We're talking about God Himself, God Almighty, the high and lofty one, the one that is there for inhabiting eternity, whose name is holy. Isn't that amazing? He said, I dwell in the high and holy place. Notice this. With Him that is of a what? A contrite and humble spirit. For us to get to the place where we do not think we've arrived. For us to get in our heart, <coughs> in our hearts to the place where we do not think that the norm is enough. We've not reached the pinnacle of Christianity, and so there's no, no uh, benefit to even continue pressing on. That's where we are today, it seems like, oftentimes. That's where a lot of churches and a lot of Christians are. I shared a few weeks ago, I love the story of Elisha, who Elijah, he knew, was going to be taken away from him soon. And Elijah told him, he said, I want you to stay on this side of the river. And Elisha said, oh, no way, not a chance. I'm going with you because I want to see and do every experience everything that God's doing through you. And God comes and He takes Elijah by the whirlwind. You remember the story? And as God takes Elijah by the whirlwind, his cloak, his mantle fell. And Elisha, after God had taken him up to heaven, taken Elijah up to heaven, Elisha picks up the mantle of Elijah. And he comes to the brook that they had already passed through. And he takes that mantle and he strikes the water and he says, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And we're in need today of Christians that will stand up and say, Where is the God of the Bible? Where is the God of the Israelites? Where is the God that can do great and wonderful things? Where is the God that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? I want Him to be shown in my life. I want Him to make these things happen in my life. I want my heart stirred. I don't want to read about revivals. I want to have revival. I don't want to just study the history of revival. I want to experience revival. And for us to come to God and not just cry out to Him and say, Lord, Lord, send revival. I know people that say, boy, Pastor, I prayed for revival for 10 or 15 or 20 years. Can I tell you that? If it's not mixed with faith, if it's not mixed with putting our trust in God for it, then our prayer is vanity. For us to get to the place where we call out to God and the man, uh, the, the, the God that, that sits uh, in eternity, the God that is the high and the holy one, the one that the Bible says here, His name is holy. The Bible says that He resides, He dwells in the high and holy place when the, with Him that not is of a proud heart. He dwells in the place with Him that doesn't think that He's arrived, he's arrived spiritually, but He dwells with Him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of James, chapter number 1. I wasn't going to use this passage for the message this morning, but I think it so vividly illustrates sometimes. James, chapter number 1, and in verse number 22, James writes, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Can I tell you this? That's a condemning statement for many Christians today. I'll be real frank and I'll be real transparent with you as your pastor. There are many times in my life, more often than I like to admit, 
that I've been a hearer and not a doer. I don't like those times. I don't want those times. I pray and ask God to help me not to be that way. But they happen, don't they? They happen to all of us. Unless we read James 1 and say, yeah, boy, Pastor, you're right. There are some Christians out there that are like that. No, no. I'm saying this morning I'm like that. And as we look into the perfect law of liberty, I think you and I ought to agree together we're like that. Because he tells us in verse number 23, For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer only, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. This is the Christian that will come to Scripture and say, Boy, I tell you what, the Bible really says it. God's got it right there. And man, Christians really need to obey that word. <coughs> that word. No, no. I need to obey that word. Boy, if our church could just learn those truths, boy, that would be great, Pastor. No, if I could learn those truths, that would be great. Those that come and look into the perfect law of liberty, like a man beholding his natural face in the glass or a mirror, a reflection, sees what manner of man he is, and then he goes about and forgets what manner of man he is. He's a man that's a hearer and not a doer. And those of us that are Christians that come to this perfect law of liberty, and we look in it and we see in it all the things that other people need to have in their lives, and not what I need in my life, I can mark it down, I'm a hearer and I'm not a doer. For this book, while it was written for the world, it was primarily written for me. And by the way, you ought to feel the same way with you. I don't read this book so I can find out what y'all are doing wrong. I want to know what I'm doing wrong. I don't come to this book so I can find out what y'all should be doing. I come to this book so I can find out what am I supposed to be doing. In Isaiah chapter 57, God says, nation of Israel, they were crying out, and He says, it's vanity. He said, let your own, let your own companies deliver you. It's all vanity. But He that putteth His trust in Me, He that gets to the place he says, I want revival in my heart. And Lord, You're going to have to do it. I don't want to just pray for revival. I want God to do revival. I want there to be a brokenness, a contriteness, a humbleness of spirit. When I look at my life and say, Lord, I want revival in Greg Moore. I want there to be a faith in that. I want there to be a trust in that. To believe that God's going to do it. How often we pray for things and then God answers them and we make a statement like this, boy, I can't believe it. Or you're not going to believe this. Can I tell you this? That wasn't a prayer of faith. I'm thankful God answered it in spite of my lack of faith, but when we're amazed that God answered that prayer then we weren't trusting Him for it. We were surprised He did it. 
If I'm going to pray for God to stir my heart and to bring revival to my heart, and if I'm going to pray for God to have His Holy Spirit empower me and strengthen me, then I've got to trust Him to do it. I've got to say, Lord, I'm not only praying for it, I'm expecting You to do it. There needs to be a humbleness. There needs to be a contriteness. There needs to be a brokenness of spirit. I was, I've been studying, reading a lot on the subject of revival. You can read a lot on it. And I like what Brother Paul he said the other night. He said, if you're not careful, you'll get so caught up in what God has done in other places that you'll miss what God wants to do right here. Because it's not a formula. It's not a punch list of things that you have to do. It's a heart condition. It's a humbleness and a brokenness of our hearts. And one thing that I find every revival has in common is a brokenness. A spirit of, God, if you don't do it, it won't get done. I can't. I long for the Holy Spirit's power. I long for God to send revival. I really do. But unless God does it, it's not going to happen. We can plan whatever programs we want to. We can have special services. We can have different preachers in and different singers in. And revival will be the furthest thing from us if God doesn't do something. And so it's not enough for us to cry out. We must trust Him. We must say, Lord, if revival is to come, it's going to have to come through You. In verse 15, he says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. And I love these two statements. To revive the spirit of the humble. That's what I want. That's what I want. And to revive the spirit or the heart of the contrite ones. That's what I want. Oh, Lord, wilt Thou not revive us again? Oftentimes we become calloused and content with where we're at. We don't press toward the mark. We don't labor to become more of what we ought to be for Him. We don't come to the perfect law of liberty and read in it things that show us what manner of people we are and make the right changes. We read it and we go our way and forget what manner of people we are. Well, I'm content with the way my life is, Pastor. I read my Bible, but when it shows me something, I, 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 I really don't want to have to change what I, where I'm at right now. I'm comfortable. And all we're doing is crying vainly. All we're doing is expecting our companies to deliver us. There's vanity in that. But to get to the place where we come to God's Word and say, Lord, let it change me. Let it change me. And those things in our lives that we've grown so accustomed to that have become the norm, we still see it. Say, "Well, I'm separated from the world. I'm way so. I'm so far away from the world." But the truth is, 
there are things in Scripture that we see that we gloss over. And we don't want to deal with them in our lives. Because we're content. We're not pressing. We're not striving for revival. We're not striving for God's power in our lives. We're not pressing towards the mark. We're not running the race. We're not walking in the Spirit. We're just sitting. Doing the same old thing, the same old way. Oh, we cry out to God. But it's not in faith. I heard a preacher say one time, oftentimes we pray not expecting God to do it. And he said we need to be careful what we pray for sometimes because we might just get it. And for some of us, that would be a shock. If God were to stir our heart, begin to get us out of our comfort zone, show us things from His Word that need to be dealt with in our lives so that His Holy Spirit can have free reign. Wouldn't it be wonderful? The other, well, last week I had to dog sit for a family in our church. Don't get any ideas. I dog sat one time. I told you all last week I had to clean my house for a dog to come visit me. And when she came to the house, there were certain rooms that were off limits. We closed the doors. She had room of all the house except that room and that room and that room. Not allowed in there. We kept the doors shut. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, could have free reign of the whole temple and not be restricted from that room and that room. My daughters came in Wednesday night. I said the house was clean except for my bedroom. I said, you can't see my bedroom. I'm embarrassed of it. That's my own daughters. They stay with me. I was embarrassed in my room. I said, I don't want you to see it. You know why we oftentimes keep a part of our life away from the Holy Spirit's control? Because we're embarrassed of it. We've come to the perfect law of liberty. And we've seen what manner of man and woman we are. It has a way of doing that. But we've been a hearer only and not a doer. Because we've walked away and we've forgotten what manner of men and women we are. God was dealing with the nation of Israel here. He said, Israel, it's not enough for you to cry out. You need to trust Me. You need to put your dependence upon Me. And He said, I'll dwell with the humble, and I'll revive their spirit. And he said, I'll dwell with the contrite, and I'll revive their hearts. And that's what I want. And I hope that's what you want. Shall we stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed? Father, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, what a blessing it is. Oh, what a blessing. And yet, how convicting. Lord, so often we fail. So often. 
But Lord, I know that we disappoint. And it's amazing to me that You continue to love us in spite of it. That You continue to give us another chance and another chance and another chance. Lord, in the day that we live, we are desperate. We are starving for Your people to get to a place where we are not content with where we are, that we continue to press toward the mark. That we continue to walk in the Spirit. That we continue to run the race with patience. That we continue to give our lives a living sacrifice. Lord, these are the things that if we will do them, You'll revive us. You'll stir our spirits. You'll revive our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that today... Your Holy Spirit will work. And Lord, may we see these things. I've read James 1 so many times over the years and thought, boy, yeah, that's true. There are people that are hearers only. But I never thought I was one of them. Until it dawned on me one day, there are things that I read from Your Word that I don't deal with. There are things that I see in Scripture that I don't make changes on. And so, Lord, I'm guilty of it. And the truth is, if we all look into our hearts, there's places that we can find that we've been hearers only. There's rooms in the house that we've not allowed Your Holy Spirit to go into because we're embarrassed. We don't want Him to see it. And yet, the truth is, He already knows. Lord, may we yield those things to You. May we learn to walk in the Spirit to be fully yielded to 